Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Praise the Lord, everybody. Welcome to the Anchor Church on a Sunday morning. Will you all stand to your feet? Let's give the Lord a hand clap offering of praise. Jesus, Amen. So thankful to be in the house of the Lord this morning. It feels good to be in the house of the Lord. Looking forward to hearing first word. Brother Eric Edwards is going to be teaching us this morning. Uh, Why don't you lift your hands. Let's invite the presence of the Lord this morning. Lord, we love you this morning. And we thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that your word would speak and minister unto us today, O God. Your word is a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path, God. And I pray that your word would speak to us, Lord. I pray we would hide your word in our hearts that we might not sin against you today, Lord. We thank you for this time that we have to be in your presence. We thank you for this time that we have to be with your people this morning, God. I pray that you'll bless this service, bless our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's welcome Brother Eric Edwards as he comes to teach us first word. Praise the Lord, everybody. Merry Christmas. What a joy it is to be here uh, at the Anchor on this Christmas time. Uh, So so delighted to be here with all of you. Thank you so much, Pastor Bounds, for the invitation. Give honor to you. What a gift he is to all of us. Let's give him a hand. Him and his family. Love them so much. We're going to go today to uh, the book of John, chapter 4. I've got... One verse, and then I'll let you be seated, and we'll come back to it in a few minutes. John chapter 4, verse 11. This is where Christ is ministering to the woman at the well. We don't know her name, uh, sister woman at the well. And he, he is there, and he's there on purpose. And verse 11 says, The woman saith unto him, this being Jesus, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with. And the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Because whenever Jesus sits down in your circumstance, you'll find yourself speaking differently than you did before. And today I just want to draw from that that one verse, the well is deep. Could we lift our hands one more time? Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your word. God, we ask that you would move up on our hearts today. God, speak clearly to us. We give you the praise for who you are and for what you are doing and what you will continue to do. Lord, we love you. And everybody say, in Jesus' name, turn to your neighbor and say, the well is deep as you're seated. The well, the well is deep. In his his book entitled Silent Night, author Stanley Weintraub recounts one of history's most powerful, yet often most forgotten Christmas stories. It took place in the improbable setting of the mud, the cold rain, and the killing of the trenches of World War I. I believe they have a picture for you. It, it happened in spite of orders to the contrary by their superiors. It happened in spite of language barriers. And it still stands as the only time in history that peace spontaneously arose from the lower ranks of a major conflict, turning sworn enemies into friends 
if only for the day. Both sides would lay down their weapons and they would exit the trenches together to what would become known as the Christmas Truce of 1914. It caused opposing sides to stand together in the middle of what was called no man's land. And together, they would sing carols, they would exchange gifts and letters, they shared food, and they even played games of soccer on Christmas Day, 1914. A German lieutenant recounted that particular pause in the fighting as if coming through a nightmare and feeling as if he was a ghost within his own body. The event appears in retrospect somehow unreal, seemingly impossible to have happened without the consequences for the outcome of the war. And like a dream, when the Christmas Day truce was over and the fighting resumed, the men that were there wondered back at it, questioning if it had really even happened. Because even in the midst of war, in the midst of chaos, there is power in pausing. How many would agree today that we live in a chaotic world? How many would agree that we live in a busy world? How many would agree that we live in a noisy world? We live in a lot of things that are going on, a lot of things pulling at us, a lot of things vying for our attention and here even at Christmas time it seems things may be even a little busier than most. We deal with uh, we deal with noise pollution. It's somehow affecting wildlife in some way. We we rarely ever hear silence. Uh, even in your home if nothing's on you don't realize that there's noise until the power goes out and then the hum of the refrigerator is no longer there. The beeping of things. You know, we, we rarely ever hear any kind of silence. And I, I sound like an old man, but I was driving through Ohio University campus the other day, and every student that I saw walking around had, uh, had AirPods in their ear. Every student, 100%, every student, constantly full of noise. We, we deal with even light pollution. Uh, the Hocking Hills State Park in southeast Ohio was chosen for the John Glenn Astronomy Park because it is one of the few areas left in the entire state of Ohio where the night sky can be seen in its near pristine condition. We go out and we look at the sky. Most of the time, you're not seeing the sky. You're seeing the light from the city, from all of the things that are there. We're constantly overrun with stuff. In his book, Addicted to busy, author Brady Boyd said that ultimately every person that I see and every person that I know is having a problem of moving too fast for too long in too many aspects of life. We were not created to just put our head down and to plow through life without creating moments for rest. We were not designed to simply just power through to the one thing, to get to the next thing, to develop the next thing, and, and, and to obtain the next thing, and the next thing, and the thing, and the thing, and the thing, and then die. That wasn't the goal. That wasn't what we were here for. We were created for more than just being busy. We were created for moments to have pauses in our life 
to have this, this moment between the things. Because it's in those moments that God is able to then speak to us when we give him room to. Psalms chapter 3, beginning at verse 1, this is a psalm of David. And David is fleeing Jerusalem from his son Absalom. And he writes this, beginning at verse 1, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. It's pretty bleak. It's pretty dire. Pretty scary. I, I don't know if any of us have been quite in this position that David finds himself in. But, but he inserts a little word here that, that completely changes the tone and the tenor. And he, he writes all of this, that things are bad, things are bleak, there's lots of people against me, Selah. But thou, notice the change when he starts the next verse, but thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. There it is again, Selah. Notice the change in the next verse. I laid me down and slept because we can only find rest when we realize where it comes from. I awaked for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, and save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten, notice the change, thou hast smitten all of mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken, I like this, the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Ah, there it is again. Selah. Three references to Selah in this chapter alone. 71 times in the book of Psalms we'll find it. 74 within the entire scripture. And according to Strong's concordance, Selah is technically a musical term. Showing a pause. It denotes a rest, literally a rest within the song that David is writing. And notice the change that happens after every rest. While the notes are important, rests are equally important. When I was in middle school, fun fact, I played the trumpet. I was in the marching band. <laughs> and I used to be able to read sheet music. And I had a harsh reality the other day. My wife has sheet music on the piano in our home, and I thought I could still, could still read it. I cannot. Uh, found out that, that that doesn't carry with you if you don't stay up on top of it. Uh, on sheet music, there are, there are quarter notes. There's half notes. There's whole notes. There's also rests. Rests are, are just as important within the music as the notes. Rests are just as needed. That's what Selah really, really is in, in, in comparison. It's, it's the rests between the songs. You're not supposed to just run from one thing into the next. There's supposed to be a pause, a rest, a rest between it. David is showing us that in Psalms chapter 3, uh, this chaotic situation that's happening in his world. Everything's falling apart. Everything is troubled. People are rising up against him. His own son is coming after him. He has to flee Jerusalem, the place where he's called to be. He has to do all of this. He's leaving 
because of rebellion coming from his own family. And yet, even in such an environment as this, David, on three different occasions, specifically puts rests in the middle of the chaos. David effectively divides this psalm into three different stanzas because there is power in pausing. God doesn't compete with noise in order to speak to us. Pastor teaches that there are two types of minds that God won't speak to, a tired mind and a busy mind. It's these moments of pause between all of the noise, between all of the commitments, between all of the obligations. It's these pausing moments that we are intentionally giving room for God to be able to speak to us one more I would declare that if the first thing that you do when you wake up is reach for your phone, you've already lost. You've already begun to fill your mind. You've already begun to take away room from him. We've got to make room for him. Before Jesus was even born in this world, people couldn't make room for him. And today, people still have no room for him. The Gospel of John gives us the account where Jesus waited in the pause in order to be able to meet the need of a nameless woman. Let's go back there. John chapter 4. This time let's begin at verse 1. The Bible says this. When, when therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples. He left Judea and he departed again into Galilee. And the Bible says this. And he must needs go through Samaria. Not that he wanted to, not that he desired to. This wasn't the normal path that Jews would have taken when they were going to Samaria. This, this wasn't the, the way that they would have gone because they had nothing to do with Samaria. They didn't go through there. They would have gone a different way. But, but he says that I, I have need to go, to go through there. And I'm thankful today for a God that has a need to show up in my circumstance. He needs to be there even when I don't realize he needs to be there. He has a need to be there where I can come across him. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. It's still there. Jacob's well, the, the well that they believe are referencing in this scripture, it's still there. It's over 100 feet deep. And... Uh, they, had, they had broken through solid limestone in order to get down to where the water was. Fun fact, that well is dry today. There's no water there. There was water there then, but there's not water there, there now. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied in his journey, sat thus on the well. Because I would propose to you today that there's always a purpose when Jesus sits down. And it was about the sixth hour. Sixth hour. That means it was about the middle of the day. And I love the picture that we see here because we see him. The creator of all. The one who spoke things into existence. The salvation of the world. And we find him sitting on the well. Imagine stumbling across the Savior of the world. And he's there in the middle of the day. I believe that's significant 
He will be right there in the middle of whatever situation it is that you're facing. And the Bible says he's alone. He's not ministering to anybody. He's not teaching. He doesn't have followers around him. He's there by himself in the middle of it waiting. Just sitting there. It does something to me when I think of Jesus just sitting, waiting on one person. This woman, this, this, this woman of Samaria, and he sits down on the well. Because I believe there's always a purpose when Jesus sits down. And he's waiting, waiting for her. The Bible goes on to say, there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus saith unto her, give me to drink for his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy me because it doesn't matter who else is, who else is around is as long as Jesus is, is there. Jesus record, or Luke records that when Jesus raised Jairus' daughter from the dead, that he put everybody else out of the room because all that matters is if Jesus is there. And then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou being a Jew asketh drink of me? which am a woman of Samaria. For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Her own limiting belief of who she was tried to drown out the promise of the fulfillment that had showed up to her. Jesus answered and said to her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Now, here's where the conversation changed. All of this time, she has been talking about physical water. But he has been talking about spiritual water. She has been talking about the physical need. He has been addressing her eternal need. But he showed up there. He showed up in the middle, in the middle of the situation, in the middle of the mess, to address what you didn't even know you needed. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Yeah, that sounds great. That living water sounds terrific. But you don't even have a bucket. That well is deep. How are you going to draw anything out of it? She doesn't even know what she's saying. She is talking to the eternal well. Sitting on a temporal well, not realizing the eternal depths of who she's talking to. Because when Jesus sits down in your circumstance, you'll find yourself start speaking differently. You won't even know what happens, but when you get alone with him, all of a sudden you start proclaiming things different. You start believing things different because his ways are above our ways and his thoughts are above our thoughts. And whenever we get alone with him, all of a sudden, we start talking differently. Verse 13, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. And today they do. There's no water there. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Yes, 
sister woman at the well. The well is deep because this well that we're talking about is eternal. And you do not need a bucket in order to draw from this water that Jesus is talking about. And then catch what happens. The woman saith unto him after all of this, Sir, give me this water. She didn't even know she needed this water. Jesus is sitting down, waiting, prepared to give her something she didn't even know she needed. Give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Give me this water. She didn't even know she needed this water, but whenever you get alone with Jesus... But whenever you get alone with him and you find him sitting down in your situation waiting for you to make time, he can then begin to reveal things to you that you didn't even know you needed. Jesus can always be found in the pause of our lives. Whenever we begin to make room for him, he always shows up. And whenever you get alone with him, you start speaking different. Acts chapter 1 records the account of the, the appearance of the resurrected Christ and his ascension into heaven. Acts chapter 1 verse 3, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. They are there with him, the resurrected Christ. And I try to put myself into the context of the scripture, and I, I struggle with it. I've been in church my whole life. I can read over this and not understand even what I'm reading. They are standing there, and they have watched him ascend into heaven. And the, qu the question that I ask is, I wonder how long they stayed there, still watching where he went up. I'd have been there for a while, wondering, did I just see what I think I saw? They're walking with it. They saw him die. They saw him resurrect. They're walking with him. He's doing miracles. He's teaching. And then he's gone. And here's what he tells them. Being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. But wait. They had to have a pause in their situations. They weren't ready to go turn the world upside down yet. Why? Because they didn't have the promise. Go. Don't, don't, don't depart from Jerusalem yet. But wait. Wait for what? The promise. They weren't ready. You had to wait for it. You had to wait for the promise. Because I believe that the promise will only come to those who have ready themselves for it. Jesus reveals more of himself in the waiting than he does in the noise. Acts chapter 2 verse 1. They go. They wait. We find them where? In an upper room. Verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come. 50 days. 10 days after this. When they was fully come. They were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly. There came a sound from heaven. As of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all of the house where they were what? Where they were waiting. They were waiting for the promise. They were doing what he told them. They weren't tearing stuff down. They weren't burning anything down. They were waiting. They were sitting, waiting on the promise to show up. 
waiting in this sila moment, this pause between the stanzas, this pause between the fulfillment, this divine pause in all of the noise. Imagine what they had gone through, seeing Jesus, being with him, doing all the miracles, crucified, resurrected, ascended, and now they're sitting there waiting on purpose. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it and it sat upon each of them. I'm telling you, whenever you get alone with God and whenever he sits down in your situation, you will find levels of eternal depth that you didn't even know was possible. I'm here to tell you today that God responds to those that wait on him. He can't deny himself when he sees people that are reaching for him. And he finds these believers waiting on him, waiting in the pause, waiting in the midst for this outpouring. They didn't even know what it would be. They didn't know what it would look like. They didn't know what it would sound like. But they were there sitting, waiting. And whenever you get alone with Jesus, you will start speaking differently. Acts chapter 1, verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they began to speak with other tongues as what the Spirit gave them utterance. After the promise showed up because of their waiting. They found themselves speaking differently. I just want to encourage someone here today that the well, the well really is deep. That the well really is deep. Whatever you may need today, you can find it in him. Because when Jesus shows up, when Jesus shows up, you'll find yourself proclaiming things you didn't know you could proclaim. You'll find yourself believing things you didn't know you could believe. You'll find yourself trusting in ways you didn't know that you could trust. And when God shows up, he is the source. He is the source for eternal life. He is the source for what you've been looking for. He is the source. He is the source. Stand with me today. I'm going to ask for you to lift your hands and just receive this word into your spirit. Jesus, we love you today. God, speak to us. God, let it be made manifest in our heart today, God. God, show up in our situation. Help us to create pause in our life. God, knowing that in the rest that you'll be there. God, we can find you today, and we know that when we get around you, when we get alone with you today, God, that we will walk away different. We'll walk away believing and proclaiming things that we didn't know were possible today. We ask it in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Oh, let's just rejoice for what we've heard today. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. I, be seated a moment. I, I want to say that we've heard from the Lord. This is, uh, the Bible talks about a word fitly spoken. It's, it's like apples of gold in, in pictures of silver, talking about the value that it brings. The word that's spoken today is, helps us where we're living now. Uh, you, um, 
And I do feel like with a teaching of, of, of like we've heard today, there should be a call of action or commitment. There should be a call of action or commitment. One thing nice about the holidays, there can be a, 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 a moment where you're, you're able to step back and, and uh, sometimes you can get very, very busy with all the events, dinners, shopping, and you can almost miss the season, uh, you know, by, by busyness. And so uh, I, I do feel that, that God has an expectation of us today. And that is, what are you going to do with what you've heard? What are you going to do with what you've heard? How many of you ever find, found yourself spinning, spinning out of control day after day and the Lord has somehow been pushed aside? Anybody ever been there? And your devotion's not what it should be and you're getting your stuff done, getting your things taken care of, you got your, you got your to-do list, but somehow you haven't found space to get into the presence of the Lord. I heard an elder say recently, and I was just in um, Georgia uh, yesterday performing the ceremony wedding of Landon Kirk and Annabeth Walden and uh, and you know if you haven't heard Sister Ferris has remarried a, a wonderful man by the name of B.J. Thomas is a respected man of God man full of wisdom and they seem so blessed and so happy but he, he made a statement he said uh, in a prayer meeting that we were having in Landon's home on the night before he got married he said, every day you should make it a, a point to find space to get into the presence of God. How many know you can pray and not be in the presence of God? It's, it's the to-do list. Well, I got my prayer in, but you know in your mind and your own spirit you didn't get anywhere. But if you ever learn to take time, in a, in a, in a uh, someone said if we would not look at it as a prayer life, but a life of prayer, that the intentional focus of prayer would be to get into his presence. Uh, I have prayed many times, many times in my 44 years of being in church. I have prayed many times and not got where I need to be in prayer. Sometimes it takes five seconds. Anybody relate with that? Sometimes it takes over 30 minutes to unwind out of the focus of the mind, to get beyond the veil into the presence of God. And... Um, uh, it, it's like life has a fast tick to it. But when you get in the presence of God, you ever notice that? Slows down. All of a sudden, everything comes into perspective. Busyness stops. And right before you can see what life is all about. Because he's the eternal God. His eternal spirit. And the Lord's calling this church. You'll get more things done getting into the presence of God first than you'll ever get working seven days a week. Oh, let there be an amen. In the, in the study of productivity among companies that they found that a five-day work week produces more than a six-day work week. Did you hear me? five-day work week on the job produces more than somebody working six days. It doesn't sound logical until you begin to understand that, that a day of rest causes your, your, your daily performance to increase. I taught you last year and uh, on a Wednesday, somewhere in the first quarter of the year, I, I told you you need to be there because it was important. It was a revelation that God had given me. 
But at the end of every day of creation, what did God do? He stopped. Did he do it all? Could he have, could he have created the heaven and earth in one day? Oh, let there be an amen. He's unlimited. But did he do it? Why did he not create the heaven and earth in one day? To step back and teach us. Teach us to do an amount of work each day to work toward a finished goal. I, I somehow think that, and I realize I live in a swing shift city, and that can be chaos for all the AK steel people in the building and beyond. Uh, and, uh, but somewhere at the end of the day, you got to say enough is enough. I've done all I can to do today. I'm going to stop and wait and pause. Uh, media can sometimes help you feel like you unwind, but also it can make your mind begin to spin till it will not rest. Let me know it's true. Uh, but at the end of every day, I want you to say this. You've got to stop. You've got to pause and wait. And in the pausing, it's easier preached and easier said than done. You've got to reflect over what you've done today and say, I've done all I can do. Then you've got to turn, reflect, and what? Anybody remember? Reflect over the day, and then what? Oh, I need to teach better. I've only taught it ten times, saints of God. Expect. Tomorrow it's going to be a, a better day. Tomorrow I'm going to get more done. At the end of every week, we call it a Sabbath or on Sunday, where we celebrate Sabbath, coming to the house of God. What should we do? We should look over our week and say, it's been a great week. Can you say amen? And we thank him for what we've been able to do on this earth and the life and the family and the gifts and the health. Come on, how many are thankful for what the Lord's done for you this week? And then after we thank him for what he has done, we turn and thank him for what he's going to do. How many know greater things are ahead of us? Greater things. It's going to be all right. I want somebody to say it's going to be all right. Praise God. I do feel in a moment of pause, I, I think that we've got to commit to this. I, I'm going to give you a challenge at the first of the year for 2023 and uh, 21 days of prayer and fasting. You'll hear more about it. There, there's some of you already got upset in milliseconds, uh, and me being included maybe. But um, I do think that we need to devote saying every day I'm going to get in the presence of God. Every day, I'm going to get into the presence of God. Um, I want you to just take a moment, and uh, they're, going to, they're, going to, they're going to play some music transitioning here. You do not have to get your kids today because they are going to uh, uh, the, Chris, the Christmas program today with the children. But uh, just for a few moments, I, I want us to bow our heads and think about what we've heard and the tremendous teaching of Brother Edwards, the, the Paul's that God gives us to change our language. God can change our language. How many know it can become better? Life and hope and peace, it's going to be all right. I want you to say God's going to take care of it. I feel a worry about the change. I feel doubt about to be turned upside down. I feel like defeat's going to turn to victory and discouragement's going to become encouragement in the, in the Paul. I, I think we ought to just shout to the Lord first. There is a praise in this room. Would you clap your hands and shout to the Lord and shout hallelujah. Thank you for your goodness. Oh, thank you for your goodness. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. 
Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.